We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. So very soon you come into the understanding that there are certain things that you need. And when you need the sim ejector tool, it's not when it happened in your box. Yeah, your phone, if you bought it new, came as a complete package. Everything you needed to operate the phone. Lately, these days, they even put a small transparent pouch in it. And some of them even go as far as coming with a pre-installed screen guard on it. Especially the cheaper phones. Which doesn't make sense to me. Because you buy a Samsung Galaxy S something and then you now have to buy a screen guard for 7000 You know. The more the premium, the more you, the more you pay. But if you do not take time to sit down and explore the contents of what your phone comes with, a time will come where you're, you realize you're not able to maximize the potential of that device. The average Nigerian particularly, if I ask here by show of hands, how many of you last time you bought a TV before you operated it sat down to read the manual? See your life. See your life. Yes, Alfred, you are going to say something. You read. Only you. That's you. Anybody else with Alfred? Mika, you read manuals. You read it, but it's not you that bought the TV. You just see the manual and you feel like reading it. You read it for them, right. So my question is, see, see why I like this church, we can all talk to ourselves. Yeah, it's beautiful. You get the device and you read the manual first. You're supposed to read the manual before you attempt operating the device. You write it there. And you do that before you touch the device. One, two, three, four. Whether it's soft or hard, it's not. Is manual or not manual? I like the manual is soft or tough. <laughs> the point is, you can never, and I say never maximize the potential of that device if you don't take time to study its manual. Trust me, you don't know your TV. If I ask you about aspect ratios, how do they work? You don't know. So is a video, stay with me, is you're watching a video, are you watching a video in 1080p? Are you watching that video in 720p? If you're watching it in 1080p, are you changing your aspect ratio to 16 by 9? You don't know your TV. You don't know your TV. I'm not saying go and learn film. It's in your TV. What do you know about the color tones of your TV? What does the contrast really do? I mean, you have a working idea. You know that if you increase the contrast, it sort of washes out. If you reduce it, it sort of darkens and then adds more depth to it. But how does the contrast really operate? What does a tone really do for the picture? What does brightness really do? All those things are in the manual. They don't, they don't give you a PhD in contrast, but they give you a working knowledge of what contrast is and what contrast does. Are we together? How do you address the, the, the sound settings? How does 3D actually work? Is your TV a 3D TV or is it a 3D ready TV? 
Because a 3D TV plays 3D contents apps out of the box. A 3D ready TV means it has the capability using the right equipment to watch a movie in 3D. Part of them you need 3D glasses or you need a 3D encoder or decoder. Do you know if your, t your TV is 3D or 3D ready? Is, does your TV have 4K capabilities or is it just full HD or standard TV? So you cannot maximize any device. Your phone right there. There are things your phone is capable of that you don't know. Most of them are hid from you because you are dumb. It is the truth. As far as that device is concerned, you know, get sense. That's why we try and make sure that since you no one gets sense, it is the phone that Namunan tried to make to be smart. So the phone now is a smartphone to make up for your lack of sense. Listen to me. The re I'm, I'm serious. If you're angry with me, you will not eat. You know, don't try it. Be better be smiling. All true. The reason why iPhone sells as monumentally as it does is because it is idiot proof. Go and read what I'm telling you. First study. Haven't you seen two year olds with iPhones? They can't try it with Android. iPhone is just there. You can't even delete something. It's not really deleted. You can, you can collect it back. Oh, I mistakenly deleted a phone number. You can get it back. Just resync everything on your devices and your stuff is back. So they add a premium to it, but they add the beauty of it is it looks after itself. You don't need to change RAM. You don't need to delete any cache. You don't need to just, just use it. If you picked your phone and you went to about phone and you entered and went to build number on your Android phone, Tap build number one, two, three by three. You see it saying four more attempts, five more attempts, six. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It unlocks a whole other world on that same mobile phone in your hand. It opens what is called a developer option for the people that have sense in phone. I'm being honest with you. But by default, do you want to try it? Go on, try it. Go to your phone, Android, about phone, developer options. No, you um, build number, type one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Somebody try it. Try it. Has anybody done it? You just did it now? Some phones, they, some, they say some phones don't have about. Can you see why they say you don't have sense? <laughs> You've done it before. It now says you are now a developer. And what, listen now, now let me just, let me just give you the bad news. What that just means now is you can crash your phone. <laughs> it means if you enter that place now and start messing around, you can change the entire temperature and complexion of your phone. What? What? Caleb, what have you done? You have wiped your phone. <laughs> so there are certain things your phone is only capable of in developer mode. USB debugging. There's certain, there's certain computer programs that cannot interact with your phone except in USB debugging mode. Certain protocols that you cannot engage with your phone and computers except developer options, USB debugging is activated. But you always had that phone. And you could almost swear you know all the junctions and the streets inside your phone until now. For some of you. Yes. 
and until the day you need to plug your phone into a computer that cannot recognize your phone in the software because your USB debugging is off, you will not realize that your phone is capable. You will not realize that your phone is capable of more than it's capable of, than you thought it was capable of. Are you with me? And as a son of God, you're walking in the earth, the cross is a package. You don't know. You didn't bother to, to read the manual. The devil capitalizes on your senselessness about your sonship to inflict you and cause pain in your life that you have the answer to. If you bothered to unlock the developer options. So you see why it's important that you are schooled in the gospel. You don't know it like you think you do. Go back and open developer options. You see a world of things. Maybe only two or three things that you know. With all the school you went. So now you understand why they hid it. And there's a lot of other things you can do. You can tap on certain other places to reveal certain other things. See me with an offering after the service. But you see, I'm a geek. If there's something to read, I will read it. If there's something to, to read, I will read. I will sit down with it. I will read it. I don't like ignorance. Hello? So you cannot afford. It is expensive. It is costly. It is dangerous. It is deathly. It is deathly. To be a son of God and not understand everything in the box of your sonship. You must understand. Don't take it for granted because very soon life hits you in the face and you realize, oh, ouch, what does the manual say? The most important part in that manual is a a section called troubleshooting. Something goes wrong, the typical things that could go wrong with that device and what you do to fix them and what to do if they're not fixed. Study it, know it. So a lot of you have taken your devices to a repairer who collected money from you because of your senselessness. Fact. Nothing was wrong. Nothing was wrong that you couldn't fix. The AC is not cooling. It's not cooling. Because you didn't engage the cooling function itself. You don't know what the symbols on your remote signify. When they installed it and they owned it for you, they gave you the remote. (laughs) Who, Who am I talking about? All you do is press that red button on, off. If it's too hot, I bet this, this AC is too, if it's too cold, ah, this is already cold, off. And then in less than five minutes, the room is hot again, on. And you're spending more power because you're engaging and disengaging the compressor of your AC, which draws all the power. But you can regulate the temperature. And the temperature, some of you do not know, for instance, that when it's C17 on the AC, 17 is not the temperature of the AC. It's not even the temperature of the room. It's the temperature you have told the AC to cool the room down to. See? So what the AC does is its compressor continue to pump gas into the room and its thermostat keeps gauging the room until the room gets to 17, then the compressor goes off. But as you're releasing carbon dioxide and breathing in oxygen quickly, the temperature changes from 17 and goes up to maybe 18, 20, 21. Compressor kicks in again to bring the temperature back down to 17. That's how your AC works. So you could actually, room temperature is about 28, 29, 30 degrees, something like that. You can actually put your AC at 22 and put your speed to medium. And let the thing swing, and you will never be too hot or too cold, and your compressor will not go all the time and all the time. Or you could use a dry function on the same AC. 
that instead of cooling the room using gas, it just keeps extracting the hot air like a dehumidifier out of the room and keeping your AC, your room, at a particular temperature. And you're not using gas. You're using less power. Oh, I'm sorry. You didn't read. So a prophet gets up and tries to want to sell to you something you already have. Because you are ignorant of what you have. A con artist tells you, you need to go to your village and uproot a tree. We need to go and remove a pot that was buried somewhere. There's an old woman in your village that you wronged. Take my game down a little bit. The old woman in your village you wronged, you need to go and look for her. If you don't apologize to her and get her blessing, your life can never prosper. So really all that Christ did on the cross boils down to one woman in the village? Then I don't serve that kind of Jesus. He's a toy. So life begins to want to sell to you and exploit you to the measure that you are ignorant of what is already yours. Your car is capable of so much more. If you are driving alone in your car, your tire pressure should be different. If you are driving with a car full, your tire pressure should be different. If you are driving in winter, your tire pressure should be different. If you are driving in the rain, your tire pressure should be different. Oga, how much make a put and put 34 all around? That's why there's so much senseless car accidents in Nigeria. The roads are bad, yes, but you don't read. You don't know anything about tire pressure. And some of you have been here in the Lord, as you say. I've been in the Lord for 30 years. It's not how long you've been in the Lord. It, is, it doesn't make any sense to mark anniversary of when you got born again. All our anniversary is the same. <laughs> we all got saved on the same day. We are all salvation mates. We could be said to be sonship mates, but in the expression of our sonship, we're not mates. Because somebody knows your phone better than you do. Not because the person is more qualified, but because the person took time to study that device. What do you know about what Christ did? If you do not know the fullness of what Christ did, you will not know when they are selling you his calm. I put on, on social media a while ago, I said, Jesus is not a brand. Be careful of the people merchandising in his name. Stay woke. And if you don't take time, so in this house we take time and teach you what the cross did so that before life hits you you are equipped for it you walk into a customer services center you hand them your phone and they are trying to figure out your phone has it happened to anybody you now start teaching the person to operate your phone who you took your phone to to repair who, who has it happened to yeah so they know it's, not, it's not like that it's like, it's like this he's trying to tap a place that is not tappable And you're like, this is the guy that's about to repair. And that's what you have in the body. Everybody is pastor. Because there's money in the business. Everybody is prophet. So God gave you some. Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall that God not also with Christ freely give us how many things? NLT. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, wouldn't, wouldn't he also give us everything else? I think in 2 Peter 1, 3, 
by his divine power, God has given us. Okay, some people trust only King James, Mayawa. According as his divine power has given unto us. How do you have all those things? Through the NLT. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this not by what he did as it were on its own, but by us coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. So you see, everything you need, you have. You just don't know. Tell anybody everything you need, you have. So when we say exploring the great exchange, it is that you get to go through everything that is yours with a fine-tooth comb and understand everything it entails for you. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Does the illustration drive it home for you? Because if you don't know it, the enemy can only exploit you in the direction of your ignorance. The devil cannot exploit you in the direction of your knowledge. He doesn't come for what you know. He comes for what you don't know. God hates sinners. If you are here, you are a sinner. God is angry with you. You are not prospering. You cannot prosper. You are a sinner. You know how we make being born again all about prospering? So disgusting. You cannot prosper. It's dangote prospering. You have to prosper. You have to prosper. How to prosper? You, you, didn't, you didn't get saved to prosper. God saved to grow into the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. And while doing that, have fun getting healed. Have fun prospering. Have fun marrying if that's your assignment. If it's not your own, leave it. Not everybody will marry. Don't let Africa deceive you where they've made every, every marriage prayer point. Marriage is never a prayer point in scripture. Paul actually says in 1 Corinthians 7, if he had his way, stay single, don't marry. If you can't handle it, marry. But there's a lot of pitfalls that come with marriage. You must see them, understand them, be ready for them, have the grace for it. You're here, you're 28, you're of marriageable age, you're not married, stand up. Come here. And the sister starts running. <laughs> if 100 people come to the altar, 96 are sisters. Oh Lord, release my husband by fire. If you got a husband by fire, how do you think your house will be in order? Have you thought about it before? Think it, think it. If it's fire, you used to get the husband. Or your house day and night is always on fire. By fire, by force, by fire. Thunder, release him. Lightning, what? Listen, whatever you compromise to get, you will compromise to keep. So if you got it by thunder, lightning, and fire, that's what you will need to keep your marriage. All that your marriage will have is thunder, lightning, and fire. Because that's who gave you your husband. So we compromise. That's not what we're saved for. Oh, you're not married. Uh, is anybody in your marriage, in your family of the same age? When did your mother marry? We now start to feel, you now start to feel deliverance form. I know what I'm saying. You go for consultancy first. Whether you pay or not is not the issue. Just that for you to be at the point of senselessness enough 
to go and let a human being interview you about a problem that is not a problem, that if it was a problem, the cross paid for. I don't care whether you paid for it or not. God does not have a sin problem. Get it into your head. In John chapter 1, open it. I mean, why didn't you say my people perish for their sins? Hosea 4 6. Right? No, John chapter 1. It says my people perish for what? John chapter 1, verse uh, 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin, singular, of the world, not the sin of the church. Because there was no church until after the cross. What existed was an anti-type of the church in Israel. So there are prophecies concerning Israel that have to do with Israel alone. Because Israel is not a metaphor. (laughs) Israel is a place. Israel is a people. But like you learned in Christ in Solomon, something can be literal and yet symbolic. Do you understand? So while Israel is literal, it also has symbolic connotations as an antitype of the church. Antitype because you cannot carry everything about Israel and put on straight lines with everything about the church. Most times they are divergent. Do you understand? You read in Hosea where God divorced Israel. Divorced Israel. The God that hates divorce. He he divorced them because it was an antitype. Marriage was instituted only as a means to an end for human beings to understand the relationship God desires to have with them. So any marriage that does not reveal Christ is a fraud. <sighs> Ephesians 5:24 For the husband is head of the wife as also Christ is head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore just as the church is subject to Christ so let wives the wives be to their own husbands not wives submitted to every man to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church for and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without blemish. Who ensures holiness in the church? Christ. So husbands, there's nothing you can do to be holy. You can't fast to be holy. You can't pray to be holy. You can't stop watching TV to be holy. You can't stop having sex to be holy. You can't stop smoking to be holy. Pastor, are you saying we can go and smoke? Go and kill yourself. If that's all you heard, be my guest. It means your mind is not renewed. Because a renewed mind, why, if, if, we, if you say we are saying that the message of grace is helping you misbehave, well, how come an unbeliever has enough sense to not smoke? Or you think every unbeliever who is a guy sleeps around? No, there's unbelievers who are gentlemen. Some of you are even safer around them in that regard than with some brothers. So you, you, all of these things that you call morality, it's not, a, it's, not, it's not the deal. 
Because there are unbelievers who are decent blokes. Decent guys. Unbelievers who are decent girls who will not dress promiscuously. They will carry themselves with courage, with finesse. So if that's the deal and God now demands you to be that, to be saved, it means the unbeliever is more saved than you. means the unbeliever is already walking in heaven than you. But you see, it's not of works. That's, that's the doctrine of, of theology called election. God just decided to choose you. And brought you in. So you cannot do something to be holy. It is imputed to you. Tell anybody it's imputed to you imputed to you. So you are either holy or you are not. You can be pious and yet you are not holy. But once you realize that you are holy, it begins to produce the fruit of holiness. It comes down to knowledge. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. 28. So husbands also ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. 29. For no one ever hateth his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. The church is the flesh of God. God cannot divorce the church. God cannot stop loving the church. God cannot stop putting up with the church. God cannot stop tolerating the church. God cannot stop perfecting the church. God cannot stop sustaining the church because God cannot hate the church because the church is his body. For no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it. How? As the Lord does his body. The church. 30. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, for this reason, for this reason, for this reason, go back to 29 so you can understand the reason. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. 30. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. It is for this reason. A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. 32. This husband, man living father and mother, I've shared this here in this house before, and joined to his flesh, to his wife and become one flesh. It's a great mystery. It's because I speak. So you cannot preach marriage from Ephesians 5 and the end of it is not Christ. So the entire marriage narrative, you see, it breaks my heart. I feel uncomfortable when I'm in a wedding and pastor come and preach Ephesians 5 and go, husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. Wife, submit your husband. It means that when your husband says go, you go. It means your husband, I, I, I feel like slapping the life out of you. It upsets me genuinely. I don't like going for weddings. I don't like going for, I'm, I'm, if I came for your wedding, I love you like this. I'm serious. And that's why most wedding receptions, you will not see me. If you see me, I am serving, I'm, I'm doing boy boy because it's my family's wedding reception. Because we miss, we marry people and we don't put on display what that marriage should display. Every marriage is an opportunity to preach Christ. Everyone, that's all it's about. This is a great mystery, but I speak. So the entire husbands love your wives. Wives submit to your husbands. Nourish and cherish them. Present her to yourselves. We're speaking about Christ and the church. But since we are in this body of flesh, you will not understand spiritual things until we bring them into physical containers. So let us institute marriage so that by what is natural, you can understand what is spiritual. Marriage is not natural. We're married to Christ. He, he, he loves us. Paul says, I'm doing all this so that I can present you as a chaste virgin for the Lord. So in John 1, John says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away 
the sin of the world. Second Corinthians 5, 18. This series is going to be long. <laughs> now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So God doesn't have a sin problem with the world. The world has a sin problem with themselves. What happened to your sins they were punished you paid the full price for your sins you like this you paid because when he came he took the price for your sin in totality people struggle with this as though God forgived only one tranche of sin. The subsequent tranches, you're on your own. No? You have to pray and fast and cry and consecrate yourself for God to forgive you. No, I, I've said it over and over and over and over and over and over and over. God is no longer in the business of forgiving sin, He forgives sin. Once. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. I think it's Ephesians 1.14, Colossians 1.12 or something like that. Ephesians 1.7. Ephesians 1.7. In him we have what? Yes. Yes. According to verse 13 of the first chapter of the book of Colossians. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Uh -huh, in whom we have, not we will have. We have redemption through his blood. The now, don't think that forgiveness means that God just blotted it away. Somebody was punished for it. You have forgiveness because somebody was punished. Tell your neighbor, he swapped it. Because Jesus bore my, forgive, my punishment, I now have his forgiveness. Can we say it together? One to go. Because Jesus bore my punishment. Isaiah 53. All the evil that we deserved as sinners by the justice of God came upon Jesus. So that all the good that was due to Jesus by his sinlessness and his obedience might come upon me. Say he swapped it. All the evil that I deserve by the just as a sinner by the justice of God came upon Jesus. So that all the good that Jesus deserved by his sinlessness and obedience to God might come upon me. Now tell your neighbor. Ah, it's with me too, sir. Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. Let me stop this thing quickly so we can eat. The eating is very important. Food. <laughs> Pastor, you ate at home before coming. That joke I did, don't bomb me, mainly us. Block me outside. <laughs> Say, young man, behave yourself. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Somebody say, has. has. 
Isaiah prophesied something because it happened in eternity. Yes. <laughs> this is thousands of years before the cross. Isaiah didn't say surely he will carry. So when Isaiah saw it, Isaiah saw what had happened. Surely he has borne our griefs and has carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. See verse 5. But he was. This is not Peter or John or Paul speaking after the cross. This is Isaiah speaking thousands of years before. He says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. Somebody say was. So you now you understand when I said every sin sinned meets a price paid. He was. He was. He had been slain from the foundation of the earth. Was. Surely he has carried. He was wounded for our transgressions every beating every scourging every tear of his skin every laceration of his flesh every sweat every perspiration every groan was for my sin past present and future Jesus factored it all. If my own future sins from today, 20, what? First of April forward cannot be forgiven. Stay with me and use your brain. How come my past sins of my so-called past years were forgiven before I did them? Think. So from now that I believe, moving forward, the sins I sin cannot be forgiven. They were not covered in the cross. Yeah? But even what you are calling past now as your sins that have been forgiven until you became born again were future when they were forgiven. Yes. Yes, sir. So, do you understand what I'm saying? So, so be careful how you're looking at the cross. Be careful how you're looking at what Jesus did. Because you see, we have a problem. We don't have any problem believing that our past sin is forgiven. We confessed it. So he has forgiven us. What you think is that he now came to die for your sin when you sinned it. No. What you are calling your past sin that is forgiven and you don't have a problem with that. You only have a problem with your future sin because you have not sinned it yet. The sin you have sinned now that you are saying past that is now forgiven was future when he forgave it. Where were you 2,000 years ago? Where was your father's 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 father? 2,000 years ago. So you are grappling with religion and grappling with the mindset that holds you down. But your own sin of your past was forgiven in its future tense. So the nonsense you did last year God saw it at eternity, not at the cross. Do you understand? God saw it at eternity, if you may, eternity past. I explained that to you yesterday. You cannot say past, present, future. Eternity is timeless. So basically from the moment God began to be mindful of you, he knew that you will mess up the mess up you messed up. So as he was laying the foundation stone of the earth, part of the foundation laying ceremony was Jesus, come. Oh yeah, lie down. <laughs> Caught you. He was slain. I, I, is this helping anybody? I, I, I'm trying to, to wrap it up. But, but, but he was slain at the foundation of the world. 
So every sin of the world that will ensue from that foundation was factored into the price Christ paid. So he comes in time to take the bruising for my infirmities. You see why we call it reckless love? So because he was punished, I am forgiven. So my sins were not excused. My sins were paid for. Tell your neighbor, your sins were not excused. excused. I didn't hear you. Say your sins. (laughs) They were fully paid for. He left none out. Left none out. There's none he left out. Oh, but pastor, if you preach this kind of thing, people will start to misbehave. They are not people of God. They're not people of God. People of God don't know that their sins are forgiven and misbehave. It's charlatans that do. And they went out from us that it might be made known that they were not of us. For if they were of us, no doubt, they would have continued with us. First John 2, 19, 18. Check it. First John 2, 18, 19. It's somewhere there. 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them that went out are with us. But see us in 20. You have an anointing from the Holy One. You know all things. So you can't misbehave. So if you are here, you are a believer, and they ask you, why are you doing what you're doing? And you say, because Jesus paid for it. You are Antichrist. Antichrist. That is not your excuse for nonsense. The cross is not license for nonsense. The cross is ammunition for a life above the flesh. It's not license for nonsense. After all, I'm not doing it for works. No. Ephesians 4.1. Ephesians 4.1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to do what? With which you were called. NLT. Let's see the NLT. I therefore, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. So it's not, you cannot hear news like this and feel like, yeah, I cannot go and do what I like. No. If you are seeing Christ, you can't do what you like. But we cannot also try to make you like Christ by telling you what to do. You will not do it. It's not you. Tell your neighbor, it's not you, you like this. It's you. you will not do it. You won't do it. You will just pretend. Some of you here that call morning devotion in your house, it's just because you're not alone. I know there are some of you that you only call morning devotion when there's guests in your house to show that you are spiritual somebody. Yes. Yeah. You now hear that you now hear that that scam phrase, a family that prays together stays together. Let's pray. Scam. Because we can listen, you the moment there was rebellion in your heart all along, you didn't have chance. So the first time you saw you could do something, you were low. You went crazy for a short while until you realized, wait, what am I doing? And then all of a sudden, you begin to understand the providence of God's love. That every punishment you could have taken, Jesus took. You can't be punished for what Jesus took. Jesus took it. So your sins were not excused. They were paid for. The reason why you have a right to lay hold on forgiveness is because somebody paid for the forgiveness. Do you understand? 
Let me shut this thing down here. Colossians chapter 1. Some of you are just arriving. I'm hoping that somehow you have caught something, but some of us have been here for a while. Colossians chapter 1. Let's go from verse 19 and I'll shut this down. Colossians chapter 1 verse 19. For he pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him whether things on earth or things in heaven. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you, somebody say you. Who were once, say once. Alienated. And enemies in your mind by wicked works. So it's works that made us enemies of God. Yet now. He has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. To present you how? Who presents you holy? Not what you do. Your works works are wicked. To present you holy and to present you blameless and to present you above reproach in his sight. Before God, you are above reproach. That's why he can say in chapter 2, let no one judge you. Go on. For if indeed you continue the faith, grounded and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, 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 of which I, Paul, became a minister. Because it's the earth, the world, he came to save. He presents you how? Holy. He presents you blameless. Second Corinthians 2, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. We read 18, 19, and 20 earlier. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. It's one thing to become something. It's another thing to become that thing with something in mind. To be seen for us that we, somebody say that we, might become the righteousness of God in him. Romans 3.25. Romans 3.25. Whom God set forth as propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance pastor walk to 25 25 in his forbearance God has passed over the sins that are previously committed go on to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith Romans 4.25. Who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised up because of our justification. He was killed for my offense. So my entire offense were factored in his death. Basically, I, I, I killed him. Because I did. You did. So you see when Nigerians ask this question, Namiki Jesus, yes! Who, who before? Oh, you don't remember? Yeah, you were there shouting, crucifying him. It was you. It was you. Kill him. Give us Barabbas. Kill this one. It was you. Me, I'm only 17. It was you. That's the more reason why it was you. Because now 17, these these days is a problem. (laughs) To be 17 in 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 this era. Hey, father. 
Madagabada. Somehow you, you think you hear when they reach 17, they feel like they reach 70. That, that's how the maths works in their head. They, 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 somehow they see 10 plus 7, 70. Back in the day, 17, you were still very ignorant of what was going on. You have not left your village. You have not gone anywhere. Now 17. He. He. Selah. Last scripture, Romans 8, 3 to 4. Say, because Jesus was punished, my sins are forgiven. Romans 8, verse 3. For what the law could not do in that he was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of my sin. God condemned sin in the flesh, and I've taught you that in the flesh meant in Christ. Because Christ came in the flesh. Go on. Condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to to the spirit stay there that the righteous requirement i said it was it this morning yesterday morning that what christ did ensures that the law has been fully kept by me do you understand it now i said it yesterday so me too i did not abolish the law uncle me like this i fulfilled it you are looking at a law fulfiller Oh, but, but I thought you messed up last week. Uh-huh. I fulfilled the law in him who fulfilled the law. So I am not being judged according to the law because it's fulfilled in him. And when he fulfilled it, in Colossians 2, he now deleted it. So that nobody can come and try to get you to try and fulfill what is already fulfilled. The room is quiet. Colossians 2, 12. Room is quiet. Bury him in baptism in which you also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Go on. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. He has made a life together with him. Having how many? How many? How many? All. Your trespasses. Keep going to 14. Having, remember, we just saw in Romans 8 that that righteous requirement was fulfilled. After fulfilling it, he wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has done what? Taking it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. I know I I said a last scripture, but I'm sorry. Another one just dropped in my spirit. And it's Romans, Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 from verse 7. Hebrews 9, 7. Hebrews 9, 7. But into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and the people's sins committed in ignorance. That thing we're talking about, Fred, the other day he showed me. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit indicating this, that, what, that this way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. Keep going. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the sacrifice, the service, perfect in regards to the conscience concerned only with foods and drinks various washings and fleshy ordinances imposed until the time of reformation 11 but christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is 
not of this creation keep going not with the blood of goats and calves but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once and for all having obtained eternal redemption switch to hebrews 8 from verse 9 same hebrews 8 from verse 9 you see what we're talking about here hebrews 8 9 not according to the covenant go back go back a bit go back a bit go back a bit started from from the from the from the first statement for if that first covenant had been faultless that requirement then no place would have been sought for a second switch to nlt here please go back to seven nlt so we can help some people if the first covenant had been faultless there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it stay there go to verse eight go to verse eight go to verse eight just so that said the law is still in force somebody said to me that grace somebody a pastor in gambia said to me that grace is the ability to keep the law so now you can keep the law without struggle has he read the law Because you can only say that nonsense when you have not read the law. When God found fault with the people, he said, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make, quoting Jeremiah 31, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. Let's finish this quickly. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I turned my back on them, says the Lord. Keep going. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people and they will not need to teach their neighbors nor will they need to teach their relatives saying you should know the lord for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already verse 12 and we're coming into that season right now we're coming to that season verse 12 i will forgive their wickedness and i will again never again remember their sins 13 when god speaks of a new covenant it means So how, stay there. No, go back, go back, go back, go back, go back. How does grace now enable you to keep something that is obsolete? How does grace enable you to keep something that is obsolete? A cake. Irrelevant. Because that is out of date and will soon and now time has now. 14. The first covenant within God and Israel had regulations for play for worship on worship here on earth. Okay, we've gone into verse nine, into chapter nine. It's it's gone. You met that requirement in Christ, Romans eight. He removed, deleted the handwriting of that requirement, Colossians two, and as we see in Hebrews, is removing, is obsolete, is out of date. Bata, bata, gone. God did not borrow any ingredient from the old covenant to craft the new one. So you cannot borrow any ingredient from the old one to keep the new one. God did not borrow any ingredient from the old covenant to craft the new one. So you cannot borrow anything from the old one to keep the new one. The new keeps the new. And in the new covenant, all my trespasses are forgiven because all my trespasses were punished. I can only fear retribution if I am not convinced that all my trespasses were punished. But because I am convinced by God's word, by two immutable things by which it is impossible for God to lie, his word, which is his promise, and his oath, I am convinced beyond any reasonable doubt, beyond any balance of probabilities, that my sins are totally forgiven because they are totally punished. God cannot wake up and suddenly decide I've been a bad boy. He wants to deal with me. He made all the bad boys into one. Put him on the cross. When he looked at the cross, he saw six billion, seven billion, a hundred billion bad boys. He poured out his wrath, every wrath he had on all the bad boys rolled up in one. Punished him. He died all the deaths rolled up together. 
And so I can stand confidently and say, there is therefore now. You better give God praise right here. There is therefore now no condemnation. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. Therefore being justified by faith. Romans 5 verse 1. We have peace with God. Say I am at peace with God. Because God is at peace with me. Tell your neighbor God is not mad at you. Tell the other person God is not mad at you. He's at peace with you. He has reconciled you to him. That is the gospel. That's the good news. I've told you in this house over and over. Anybody that stands and says, brethren, if you die today, where are you going to spend eternity? That person needs the gospel. That person doesn't have it. I feel sorry for them. They don't have the gospel. I don't laugh at them. I don't insult them. I have compassion towards them. They need the gospel. It cannot be called the gospel evangelion if it's not good news. It's good news. You are reconciled. Do you know that you are reconciled to God? That's what you should tell the drunkard out there. Do you know that God does not see you how you see yourself? (laughs) Really? Me, with all my mess. Most people are not coming to the Lord because they feel they are too messed up. They feel they are too messed up. They feel they are too messed up. No, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not among the caliber of people that should enter church. No, no, do you know what I've done? But that person is reconciled to God. That person's sins are forgiven. All of them. All. So this might sound very difficult for you to take. But is there a sinner out there? Is there somebody out there who by chance his sins or her sins are not forgiven? Don't think of the heart of God like your church. Inside is good people. Outside is bad people. He he, he died for the world. So you can't sit here if you're here and feel guilty. Feel like you're not good enough. Listen, listen, you better celebrate God for what you have in Jesus. Thank you, Father. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.